Hello and welcome back to Why Morocco, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to spotlighting some of the inspiring and creative personalities who share my love of the North African Kingdom of Morocco. My name's Mandy Sinclair, PR consultant and freelance writer, tasting Marrakesh food and cultural tours owner and host of this podcast. As you sit back and listen, it's my hope that you'll leave feeling inspired to pay a visit or motivated to start planning that trip to the Kingdom of Morocco. With the third edition of the 154 Contemporary African Art Fair kicking off on the 20th of February in Marrakesh, I chatted with fair founder Turiya Al-Glawi by telephone in the lead up to the event. The fair is designed to provide exposure to artists from the 54 countries that make up the continent. Toria talked about the changing landscape and dialogue surrounding the African contemporary art scene since she began researching the idea for an African contemporary art fair about 10 years ago. You see, Toria launched the first 154 Contemporary African Art Fair in London before traveling to New York and finally to Marrakesh in 2018. Today, the fair is one of the highlights of my social calendar each year. With gallery openings, studio visits, talks and roundtables, meetings with the artists, all planned throughout the four-day event, the program is rich and sure to keep me entertained for a few days. So let's listen in as Toria talks about the fair, the contemporary art industry and what visitors can expect during the third edition of the 154 Contemporary African Art Fair. I just want to start by thanking you for joining me when it's such a busy week coming up. And so you're the daughter of famed painter Hassan Al-Glawi, whose recognizable artworks are found in famed hotels and galleries at Marrakesh, um, as well as beyond. But rather than taking the route of an artist, you founded the 154 Contemporary African Art Fair. So can you please tell listeners a little bit about yourself and the art fair? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, my first art education definitely came from my father, you know, mm-hmm. thanks to him. Uh, he made, I think, our whole family much more sensitive to uh, art, um, to paintings. And uh, in Morocco, in the years I grew up, which was in the, you know, early 70s, mid 80s, there was less of, a, you know, cultural infrastructure at the time. So I can honestly say that my first art education came from him. Um, and uh, honestly, he didn't need my help, you know, to to get uh, to get established in Morocco, uh, he had quite an amazing uh, you know career, and I'm so glad that I was able you know to to be part of uh, you know seeing him um, uh, being such a wonderful artist, really liked by the Moroccans, and honestly um, uh, often put in their living rooms in you know hotels, and uh, and um, it's very interesting because it's really towards uh, when I moved back to London in the in in uh, 2011 uh, one 2000. 2010, between those 10 years that I started, you know, really looking into the career of my father, how he got successful, uh, being more interested in helping him and supporting him, organizing, you know, exhibitions. And I've realized, you know, something that, you know, his path of, of, um, of, um, of success and visibility came also because he had the chance to start his career in Europe, you know, where he had international galleries, where he had international visibility. And then, you know, my professional life took me a lot to Africa, you know, in a completely different uh, professional pr- profession. And I had the chance to um, discover Africa and discover because of my curiosity of the arts, you know, the different African art scenes um, that, you know, kind of like 
surprised me in an amazing way. I couldn't believe that there was such amazing creativity, um, interesting artworks, you know, because I was living at the time in London and I also lived very long, a very long time in the US, but I had never heard of those artists, never heard, you know, them crossing over those geographical boundaries. So I was living in London, but whatever I was seeing on the continent had absolutely no visibility um, in um, the UK galleries or the UK exhibitions, you know, that I was able to experience. Um, so in a way, um, I think the, you know, there was a bit of a crossover of, you know, my education, the career of my father, my understanding how he got, you know, his visibility and understanding why maybe the artists from the continent, and I'm talking 2012, 2013, yeah. when I was researching, you know, this project and doing the fair, um, did not get the same visibility. And I thought one of the reasons was access. So people were not going to Africa to uh, look for contemporary art. Um, and uh, the second thing was, you know, creating a platform that actually was giving them the opportunity to have, um, you know, commercial platform in a place where people would come and buy art. Um, so I think um, the two are linked. You know, there's not a straight line converging, you know, to, you know, how my father helped me do the project. But in many ways, he developed in me a curiosity and an appreciation of art that was completely instrumental for what I was doing. And um, the second thing, it gave me an understanding of how, why and how he was, you know, being very successful, you know, from an African artist, basically, um, in Morocco, getting an international, you know, uh, reputation. And I was able, in a way, um, to try to replicate a platform that will allow, you know, a lot of those artists having the same, the same path, the same journey, you know, belonging to international collection, mm -hmm. uh, you know, taking part to international exhibitions. And I think it's all about the network. And I think this is what we were able to create in the last seven years is a very strong networks of curators, galleries, artists, collectors, you know, meeting three times a year yeah. in three different continents. And so how would you describe contemporary African art? So, you know, you know, over the years, you know, I thought it was very important to attach the title of Contemporary African Art Fair, you know, to 154, mm -hmm. because there's so many international art fair that for me, it was important for people to distinguish what we were all about. Um, but I like to say that it's artists coming from the African continent. You know, I, I mean, I don't like to label, label them, you know, African artists in any kind of way or African contemporary mm -hmm. art. I think it's contemporary art from artists from the African continent. Um, I wouldn't, you know, describe it. I would just say, you know, those artists, for a lot of them, are living, you know, on the continent. Mm -hmm. uh, so they are officially, you know, doing contemporary art, but influenced by their own life context, you know, uh, their own influences. It might be religious, it might be political, it might be uh, uh, just, you know, different source of inspiration around them. Uh, but I often think that, you know, the contemporary artists coming from Africa or coming from all over the world often discuss the same global issues. Um, they often, you know, picture uh, things that, you know, different artists with picture. I mean, the content yeah. might be more black content, mm -hmm. but at the, at the end of the day, um, it, it is about, you know, artists who are living, you know, who are part of our society, part of our social lives, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think it's artists who are alive, basically, <laughs> you uh -huh. know, who are living today.
and representing their their time. Yeah. And so the first uh, 154 Contemporary African Art Fair took place in London in 2013 and featured the contemporary art artists from Africa as a way of providing exposure. Eventually, you took the event stateside, launching in New York in 2015. And in 2018, you brought the art fair to Marrakesh. So I'm just wondering what prompted your decision to bring the fair to the continent? So, uh, to be fair, this was an idea that was always, you know, in me ah, from the beginning to okay. bring 154 back to the African continent. Um, but also, um, doing this market research, I learned from a lot of galleries, you know, based on the continent that a lot of their sales were, you know, completely, um, targeted to international audiences, that they didn't have local sales. And that's why the fair were, you know, for them, you know, quite interesting because they were able to sell to an international audience that were quite interesting. Uh, interested in their in their in, in their artworks, and one of the reason, to be honest, it's not that there's no collectors, you know, in some of those mm-hmm. countries. There's probably less of them, but it's linked to different things. It's linked that uh, for the collectors who are based on the continent, you know, who are in Nigeria or South Africa or even Morocco. Mm-hmm. Before there was this whole galleries commercial aspect, buying through fairs or through galleries. A lot of those collectors were the main support of those artists, you know, so they were like patrons. and buying a lot of the artwork of those artists, having this direct relationship with the artists that they were supporting. So for them, you know, asking them suddenly to change the way, you know, they would sell or have their relationship with their, you know, their artists, um, and then obviously add an additional, you know, 50% or 25% of commission on the artwork is, it's a, it's a, it's a mindset that needs to change, you know. So what they don't understand is like all the work that a good gallery is supposed to do for the artist. Um, so there is collectors on the continent, but they don't often buy, you know, through the galleries. And this is, you know, part of the, 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 the fact that there was no infrastructure for a lot of those cities, you know, for a very long time. It's part of the fact that, you know, some of the collectors had direct relationship to, uh, you know, some of the artists they supported. And it's also known to the fact that they, they don't have, you know, yet this mentality of going to an art fair to buy the artwork. So it's, I mean, and in a way it's like this around the world, but except that there's more infrastructure, you know, to support mm-hmm. the relationship between artists and collectors through galleries or throughout a gallery. But um, uh, to come back to the original point of coming back to Africa, it had to wait a bit because I knew that the galleries would be a bit reluctant to do it in Africa because mm-hmm. of their own experiences locally in their countries. So we did it where we thought, you know, we would have more impact and more, you know, immediate um, uh, interest from international collectors, you know, institutions um, where we could, you know, be part of the narrative, you know, that we were so uh, for so long excluded from, you know, so uh, we targeted London because it was, you know, in Europe for me, the most international, yeah. you know, art city that we could uh, do the event in. And then, you know, we did the U.S. because the U.S. market is one of the most important in the world, you know. So it was very, um, very focused on, you know, getting all those names, all those artists in an, accelerator, in an accelerating way to the right collectors, the right institution, getting the curators to talk about their, their work, you know, in books and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and their music. And I think that's why we chose New York and London first. But Morocco, I mean, Africa was part of this discussion, but we didn't know that we could do it right away. So have you then noticed a change in like the landscape for the artists and the dialogue surrounding African contemporary art since you started the art fair in 2013? 
Oh yeah, completely. And I, I love to think that we had something to do with it. Yeah. But, you know, I think the, the idea of an art market, you know, is always more visible than, you know, what the academic people could do, you know, for, for a book. So people love money. They love to hear prices, you know, so uh, I knew we would get more visibility from the price, for example, because first of all, it was something new, but on top of it, we're talking business, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, selling and buying and, you know, all this regarding the art market of contemporary African art. Um, but I remember when I was doing this research in 2011 and 12, and I was looking into, you know, which museum did an exhibition, there was, let's say on average, a very big exhibition internationally on a group of African artists that before five years. So you oh, had wow. Bobby Group did, that did it. You had uh, um, uh, the Smithsonian in, in Washington that did it. You mm-hmm. had like one of few, you know, big exhibition around the world every five years, regrouping, you know, a number of, uh, of, uh, of artists and, and very Africa focused, you know, so mm-hmm. this was what it was. There was no commercial platform. Actually, I was very surprised because when I started thinking about doing the fair, I was like, okay, I'm not coming from this industry. So I'm sure when I'll do my research, I will find that there's already three fairs, you know, doing contemporary African art. And actually there was not. And this is where my surprise came. Is like, you know, there was no international platform for African artists or, you know, where we could buy and give visibility to international artists, but from the continent. And so this was the first surprise. Um, and then now when we do a newsletter for our collectors, you know, every every beginning of the month, we, we kind of create a newsletter on all the events that are taking place around the world, yeah. you know, with regards to artists that we've worked with or African artists one way or the other. This list, we have to create it and to limit it because there's so many things going on oh, that, wow. this, uh, that uh, you know, this has changed completely. And we see that at some of the big, um, you know, the big international sales now, even in you know auction houses and and um, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, the big art Basel, for example, in Miami. This uh, you know this uh, winter, one of the most successful artists, or the one that had the most coverage, was a, an artist from Ghana, um, and um, it was he was the cover of all the pages, and he's a young artist, you know. And then six months later, you see that he's already at six hundred seventy-five thousand you know, at auctions. So that's huge, you know. I mean, I'm not saying it's good for the artist to be so fast, you know, and Mm -hmm. go so, so high, so fast. But at the same time, it is to to show how, you know, people are now paying attention uh, Mm -hmm. in the large fairs, you know, that are more, much more international than 154 and also um, in the auction house. So um, we're lucky, we're lucky that also all the artists, you know, uh, from the continent, there's less of them, but the ones who are making it big are very young as well you know they mm-hmm. they are artists that uh, um, are not you know um, uh, having to wait for example 60 years yeah. for their career you know to pick up you know mm-hmm. so it's nice to see this acceleration of inclusion as well yeah I completely agree I Mohammed Arjdal like I think he's what he's doing is really great and he is I think he's like 38 or something he's quite young and he's always like cruising around the galleries where he's his work is exhibited which yeah, perfect. You can meet the artist. That's, that's completely right. And to be honest, I was very surprised 
at one of the panel I've talked to, um, uh, it was about, you know, the rise of African art. I think it was, um, yeah, it was in, uh, I'm trying to, to, to remember where it was. Yeah, it was in, in Barcelona in this very nice conference called Talking Galleries that is extremely interesting for our people from our industry. And uh, one of the person in the panel, you know, did statistic for us. They, they, they have a company that does art statistics. Um, and basically what they were saying is that where we obviously the number compared to the global market are very low, you know, like in terms of what we represent, you know, for compared to the the rest of the art, you know, the art mm-hmm. market, we're like a minuscule percentage still. But mm-hmm. what is very interesting is that on our top five, you know, most sold artists, um, in the world, you know, that are coming from the African continent, um, they are already in the million, you know, pound at auction, like, for example, uh, Julie, Julie Meritou or Njeka Crosby, you know, she's Nigerian. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they, they're first all women, they're still alive, you know, mm-hmm. they're women of colors. So it's quite, you know, unbelievable where we came from, you know, it's like, we kind of like, put all the different, you know, discrimination criteria on, like, uh, on the side. And actually, it's the young, they're alive, they, they're women, they have colors, you know. So we have all the, I'll say, the, the, the right checked um, in, in, the, in, the, in the top, you know, living artists rather than, you know, having somebody who's doing very well at auction, but it's, you know, somebody who passed away, you know, 20 years ago mm-hmm. or something. It's somebody who's, uh, you know, part of our culture who is doing really well and is uh, some of the best selling artists, you know, in the world. And they, they, they are young, you know, um, uh, women, which is really rare, you know, in the art world that they're doing so well. And, um, and it's, it's nice to see that also some of the limitation criteria that the other, uh, segment of artists, you know, faced, we kind of like, in a way, um, you know, passing them without, you know, having to deal with the same, you know, the same issues in the international art market about those women having, you know, a hard yeah. time making it as artists. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you know, not having the same, you know, prices, you know, the mm-hmm. men artists, you know, um, then you have also the issues of like black artists in the U.S. not doing as well yeah. as white artists in the U.S. So it's nice to see that at least in our mini world, you know, of uh, artists coming from the African continent and the diaspora, we're not facing the same issue. Like there's no boundaries, you know, uh, yeah. women's uh, are doing as well as men. Um, they, 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 they are women of colors as well. There's no difference between being a white artist from Africa or a black artist from Africa. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Okay, just a quick time out, because if you're keen to explore Morocco, let me tell you about Sun Trails, a private tour operator based in Marrakesh. I've had the pleasure of being both a paying customer on a holiday through the south of Morocco, but also just traveling with Chris, because he is a friend after all. That aside, Chris is genuinely passionate about discovering the hidden gems dotting the country, and meeting people like architects and musicians undertaking interesting initiatives. He then puts all of this together in an itinerary for guests who are looking for more than just a standard tour of Morocco. He's been on the podcast twice, so if you want to find out more, check out episode 1 and episode 19, or get in touch with me via mandyandmorocco.com and I'll happily put you in touch. What are some of your personal highlights since launching the 154 Contemporary African Art Fair? 
Well, you know, we are able, you know, to work on more complex and exciting, you know, um, you know, projects uh, in between the fairs. You know, mm -hmm. so there's uh, obviously relations that we build at the fair, but like uh, what is more exciting for me is when we're able to, you know, um, expand this visibility beyond the fair, you know. So um, I think over the over the years, for example, we started this project with Sunset House, which is an amazing partner in London, um, but where we were able to do very ambitious, large, you know, sculpture every edition in the courtyard. And uh, what was very nice for me to see was that, for example, the first sculpture we did from this artist from the Caribbean called Zakove, um, it was an amazing installation of 40 um, sculptures, you know, in the courtyard. Um, it was beautiful. If you Google Somerset House, now you see the, the sculpture in it. And it was nice. I went to LA to do, an, you know, a discovery visit there. And I sit at LACMA, you know, in front of LACMA. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what I like is, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the influence that we get, you know, once, you know, we, we do an event, you know, at 154, you know, how, you know, the artist is, you know, evolving and, you know, giving them another, you know, long uh, visibility internationally. So I was at the same trip when I was there. I was at attending a performance of Hassan Hajjaj okay. that we've talked about, for example, in LA. Mm -hmm. And basically the, 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 the curator of that performance, um, was telling how they discovered, you know, that video installation of Hassan at 154 at Somerset House for, you know, Hassan's solo show there uh, yeah. that we had the help organize. Uh -huh. And it was during the same trip, I saw two, uh, two different years, you know, two projects that we've put in place you know, with 154 that had traveled, that had, you know, their own impact, you know, in another continent. And that's for me, you know, the most interesting part is to see this evolution. Or, for example, we're helping for next August, um, uh, to have the first uh, the first artist go. I mean, I know it's a completely different set of things, but I don't know if you know the festival called Burning Man. Yes. Mm -hmm. In Nevada. So you know that they have 275 uh, sculpture at one time each year, you know, in yeah. the desert of Nevada, but they never had an African artist, you know, so. Oh, wow. We're helping, yeah. So we're helping to, uh, to bring one this year. Um, and, uh, you know, this came about because they saw us doing this very ambitious sculpture at Somerset House, uh, that we felt also very confident that we could, you know, help yeah. them select the right artist to do it. Um, so it's, it, for me, this is, the, you know, the highlight is the continuation of this visibility uh, when I see, you know, the impact that the artist has, mm -hmm. you know, that we started with and, you know, that they have like solo shows in museums and things like that. Yes. This is the, the most beautiful part. And also having everyone now asking us to go on trips with us, you know, in Africa, oh. <laughs> where before nobody wanted to go. Uh -huh. <laughs> So that's much more exciting as well to see how people are much more confident to come visit the continent mm -hmm. um, and to be able uh, to discover artists, you know, in situ rather than, you know, um, in London or in New York, but rather perceiving Africa, you know, with different eyes. That's brilliant. And so let's talk about the upcoming edition of the 154 in Marrakesh as it kicks off on Thursday, the 20th of February for VIPs and to the general public on the 22nd of February. I'm just wondering how many galleries are participating, what can visitors expect, and what are some of the highlights in your opinion? 
So there's, uh, I think, two more galleries than uh, than before. You know, we limited with our own um, beautiful Mamunia because uh, we decided to choose this uh, unique and beautiful location. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's obviously uh, so many galleries we can have. So I think this year is 22. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the the sorry the press release in yeah. front of me, so I might be wrong on the on the number. It's either 20 or 22. But I know there's two more than last year, um, and. Uh, what is very exciting this year is that you know last year we had for the first time one gallery from South Africa and the, the biggest one called Goodman Gallery doing 154 Marrakesh for the first time yeah. and uh, what is exciting is that you know seeing that they did well and they're coming back you know mm-hmm. we have the chance to have three more galleries from South Africa this year oh wow um, yeah, so it has its own, you know, impact on what we, who we welcome, you know, every year. So this year also one of my most exciting parts. So in South Africa, we have obviously Goodman Gallery coming back, but we have Afronova that worked with us in London and New York, but never did uh, Marrakesh. So it's their first participation in Marrakesh. Mm-hmm. We have um, another gallery that does London with us quite every year called What If the World, that they are coming to Marrakesh uh, for the first time. And... Um, uh, a new gallery called Ecletica that uh, we never had before but chose to do Marrakesh for their first participation with us. And then we had the chance to have two galleries from Egypt that are doing London and for one of them is doing London and New York um, and they're doing Marrakesh for the first time. So it's quite interesting to see also how one are convincing the other to come, you know, and like apply. And and so it's nice to have different region each year. So there's quite a strong focus in, in uh, South Africa, Côte d'Ivoire and um, and Egypt this year and obviously you know mm. we are in Morocco so we have a couple of galleries mm-hmm. coming from Morocco um, we have two from Marrakesh and I think three from Casablanca uh, which is a, a, also a bigger number than you know than um, than usual um, and I think you know it is also another, another interesting thing is that Marrakesh is taking you know this angle and this influences of the being like more North African you know yes. in terms of uh, their program uh, which is very nice because it's complete really well, you know, what we are already doing in London and, and New York. Um, so it's nice to have also this uh, Francophone, North African, you know, influence uh, in, Mar- in Marrakesh as well. But, uh, it, I mean, the, the galleries are amazing. You know, I just saw the, the list of uh, all the work put together in the catalogue already now. So uh, to see, you know, what's in the in the book it's going to be amazing it's always a very nice thing to see it on paper but when you even me when I mm-hmm. see it in real it's just another level of, of beautiful yeah. works that you see mm-hmm. because also the fair takes place until the 23rd of February but many of the exhibits at the partner galleries throughout Marrakesh will remain on display so visitors in the city can actually continue to enjoy the fair for some weeks to come is that correct Oh, completely. There's a lot of, uh, for example, Macal is opening their new exhibition on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they, they, it's a beautiful exhibition uh, that will last for, you know, three or four months. I mean, if Saloran, I know that at least the Jacques Azema exhibition is staying for longer, uh, for longer than the fair. And then you have uh, Dada um, that is more, if, you know, Dada is a new art center that is in, on the Medina that will officially open, I think, in 2020. 
community. Mm-hmm. But every year during the fair, they stop the construction and they do an exhibition inside. So this is specifically for the fair, but Contoire des Mines is lasting longer. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, all the galleries from Marrakech, or Voice Gallery, uh, sorry, the Gallery 127. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have also David Block, uh, that has an amazing solo show of Rizlan Sahli uh, mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Uh, you have also uh, Tim Duff, uh, uh, Senior 28. They all have uh, and are part of the public program also. So you can completely check what's going on in Marrakech on our website. So there's obviously a VIP program, but there's also a public program mm-hmm. that is accessible to all and a, that it's extremely um, rich in terms of uh, you know the, the programmation. Perfect. And so one last question. Um, you launched London in 2013, two years later, New York, and then three years after that, Marrakesh. So given your timeline history, can we expect a fourth destination coming soon? Uh, <laughs> so I still believe that there's places where we need to have more impact. So that's mm-hmm. true. Uh, but uh, we need to make sure that all the fairs are, you know, sustainable and strong before we can, um, you know, go into another, uh, another country. Um, I personally would love to do more. Uh, and this is also thinking of different models. You know, mm-hmm. I think three fairs is a, is a lot a already lot. <laughs> yeah. for, you know, for our team and for, you know, what it implies, you know, in terms of galleries and investment for the galleries to do. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely new models that I'm considering that could have impact in different cities where we're not, but that we can do with maybe an art project or a gallery or a specific place mm-hmm. um, in time. And it could be a one-off rather than a repetitive you know, mm-hmm. uh, edition event. But I think for the moment, uh, we are also at a time where, you know, traveling, um, I mean, we're all much more conscious about the environment, right? Yes. And we want to make sure that um, uh, we can do it, you know, you know, I think Paul, I mean, that's really also my vision. I think people are going to be less and less keen on traveling. Um, and I feel like it's nicer to bring, you know, interesting things to them rather than, than, um, maybe having them travel all for a fair, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I would love to, you know, consider doing something in the West Coast, for example, in the U.S., but not a fair, trying to find a model that works for us, you know, uh, there. Um, uh, I would love to do another city on the continent, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, uh, discovering, you know, how we can work a, a model that is financially viable for us and for the gallery or the artist. Mm-hmm. So um, it is on, on a thinking process for the moment. But I think in terms of fair, um, I would love to see Marrakesh getting, you know, getting stronger, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, you know, being, you know, being more, I'm trying to be more involved with the facilitating, you know, how things are done here, because it's quite a, a long process when you import and export, you know, work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to, to, to also make sure that this is much easier for everyone. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm not saying that I'm trying to find a model that works, but if I'm thinking of another city in Africa, we will have the same issues. So I'm trying to fix them here. <laughs> to maybe yeah. <laughs> have them have a, a strong model when I go to another city and um, on the continent. But I mean, listen, we, we're doing amazing traveling trips, you know, with people yeah. now on the continent, uh, organizing events on sites, you know, and I think it's very exciting for us also to spend more time in Africa. Amazing. Well, thank you so very much uh, for your time, Toria, and best of luck with the opening. And I am looking forward to another amazing weekend at the 154. Thank you, Mandy, for having me. Take care, and I'll see you this week. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 
If you're keen to explore the art scene Tori and I talked about during our interview, join us for one of our Tasting Marrakesh food and cultural tours. On our Tasting Marrakesh Gillies tour, we explore some of the 20th century architecture in Marrakesh, stop at some of our favorite art galleries housed in Art Deco gems, and wander through parks and religious buildings that surprise visitors who dare to venture beyond the Marrakesh Medina. We chat history, eat street food, and shop. With more and more designers moving their showrooms to the new city and restaurants opening up, this neighborhood is on the move. But don't just take it from me. Condé Nast Traveler recently included our Tasting Marrakesh Gillies tour on its roundup of 10 cool things to do in Marrakesh. Our website is tasting-marrakesh.com for more details. That's Marrakesh with a C-H. All of our tours are private and bespoke, so we take you only to the places that interest you. But for now, it's time to say see you next time. In the meantime, if you want to discuss sponsorship of this podcast or even a partnership, please feel free to get in touch with me via my website, mandyandmorocco.com. And if you're a fan of Why Morocco, I would be so grateful if you would rate and review this podcast on your favorite channel or share on your social media networks. Just don't forget to tag me at Mandy in Morocco so I can be sure to thank you for helping me share the love of the North African Kingdom of Morocco. Until next time.